Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Today's podcast might be the most important work I've ever done. In the episode that follows, I, along with the help of three other gentlemen who will join me as guests today, we will make the case that the shattered backboard dunk is not only the most incredible, yet strangely, the least talked about, most underappreciated moment in all of sports, but it is also the dead center beating heart of the first ballot hall of fame nothing is more first ballot hall of fame podcast than a shattered backboard dunk today we're gonna figure out which shattered backboard is the best shattered backboard right here on first ballot Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matter and inducts them into the First Ballot Hall of Fame. This show has been called the world's best throwback sports podcast. Who said it? I said it. I'm your host, Neil, a.k.a. Gotham Coach, the long-lost Gasol brother, the Glass City Cobra, the podcast Jordan Clarkson, half Filipino, half not Filipino. I'm not the biggest Lakers fan. I'm the best Lakers fan. Mr. Not Always Right, but never ever wrong. Coming to you live. From the Shaquille O'Neal branded Office Depot, big and tall executive suite desk chair. I'm trying to move fast today. We got a lot to get to. The first ballot Hall of Fame podcast is brought to you by. Ball is life and the Balls Life Podcast Network. This podcast available wherever you listen to your favorite pods, but it's all because of the support of Ball is Life. Follow at Ball is Life on all social platforms. Today's episode is going to be different. This is an episode I've long debated doing. I've wanted to do this from the beginning of, of, of this show. I finally put the right people together. I think this is what this podcast is supposed to be about. This is a group of people I care about. They are respected. I care what they have to say about things. We are talking about something that's very stupid. Admittedly, in the scope of the world and things that are going on, that we are going to devote, that all of us, gentlemen, are going to devote this time is stupid. That's a dumb thing that we're doing. That said, what we are talking about is also, it's awesome and it's underappreciated. We're going to get into it today. I am convening the first ever First Ballot Hall of Fame Voting Committee panel. And what is it that we're voting on? Well, that's simple. Today on the show, we will be deciding which shattered backboard dunk goes into the first ballot Hall of Fame. But you all, our Hall of Fame listeners, you will all decide which one of these shattered backboard dunks is the best. We're going to put this all online. You can vote in some polls over our socials. More on that later. For the time being, follow First Ballot Pod on Twitter and or First Ballot HOF on Instagram. I realize those should be the same. This conversation, if I may add a little bit of weight here, this is at the, again, this is at the heart of what this podcast is about. And it's also personally, for all of you listening, this is what my heart sings. This is, this is very important to me, what we're, the conversation we're about to have. I'm so excited. Let's get into it. Okay. Our first panelist today appeared on episode nine of this podcast. He's almost single-handedly responsible for Sean Kemp's Lister Blister being inducted into the First Ballot Hall of Fame. He's one of the founding members of the greatest basketball mixtape outfit working today. Do you hear what I just said? The greatest basketball mixtape outfit working today. He's a friend of the show. He's the NBA social video Andrew Gaze. It's Paul from the legendary Dunk Comp. Let's go. Holy shit, Paul. Thanks hey, for joining hey, us. Hey, Neil. Hey, Neil, uh, thanks for having me back. It's it's a joy to be back here. Thank you. And just set the table for us. You are in Australia, and what time is it there? 
Uh, it is a pleasant 4.30 in the morning. What a, and, what a uh, colossal waste uh, of time. What a uh, colossal <laughs> waste of time. <laughs> I wouldn't be anywhere else. Thank you. Our next panelist appeared on episode 23 of this podcast. He's responsible for finding the angry French woman in the stands on Vince Carter's dunk over Fred Weiss. He's the reason this show is on the Balls Life Podcast Network. He's the guy I call to check my facts. He's your favorite NBA mixtaper's favorite NBA mixtaper. It's Mr. David Estramskis. Thank you. GA and the place to be. So glad to have you here, sir. Our last panelist is a senior national NBA reporter for Yahoo Sports Killer Sentence. He appeared on episode 39 of this podcast where he masterfully wove a tapestry of love and passion for the Jeff Van Gundy Alonzo morning leg fight that now resulted that resulted in a first ballot plaque that will hang on our walls of our Hall of Fame forever. He's the host of Divine Intervention, the co-host of No Cap Room podcast. He's not just your man divine, he's our man divine. It's Mr. Dan Divine. Oh my god. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I'm sorry that it's 4.30 in the morning where you are, but where I am, it's time to do some important work about <laughs> topics of severity. Can we, I'm so excited to have these four gentlemen assembled to do this very silly thing that we're all going to take so seriously, it's sickening. Uh, can we just, out of the gates, talk a little bit about broken backboards for a second and what makes them important? I just feel like... It's a thing, broken backboards, and that that has happened on multiple occasions and still at times still happens today. It, we are not discussing that enough as sports fans. What, what, make, what makes, let's talk about broken backboards. Why do you love them? What is it about a broken backboard that makes it so special? Dan, why don't you go first? It represents the like, it's like the Hulk. It yeah. is... The the rage and the angst, yes. the, the anger and everything that goes into like expressing your physical self in a physical space, it all comes out in one moment. This is how much you wanted to put that other dude into the ground yeah. that you have shattered, tempered glass like a windshield. You are basically a force of nature, a, a tree branch being thrown down through a vehicle in a windstorm. And you're doing that in basketball. I can't think of anything more dominant than that. And just to see it, like you jump out of your seat because you can't help but physically react to it. It's, 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 it, he's absolutely right. It's a very visual manifestation of your will, of your will during an athletic competition. I want this so bad. <laughs> and you see it visually in, gla in a glass explosion. Oh my God, Paul, you go next. What is it about a broken backboard that makes it so special? I think uh, young men uh, tend to have this sort of mischievous, destructive streak to them. <laughs> I think we've all sort of, mm -hmm. sort of experienced that in one form or another. And this is probably the ultimate expression of that, yep. um, where you are just causing chaos um, for the sake of chaos, <laughs> to, to, to relish, to relish uh, in the confusion and you know, shrieks of dismay that ensue <laughs> immediately after your actions. The chaos is something that I feel that I hadn't really considered until I started researching this episode. We'll get to the a bit more of that chaos a little bit later, but I'm excited to talk about it. DA, a broken backboard. What sticks out to you? Uh, it's just like a childhood fantasy. Like when you're playing yeah, basketball, yeah, you just always yeah. want to do it. And honestly, and, and for video games, like I grew up with the Nintendo generation. So it's like you wanted to always do it. So I, I think like NBA Live 95 is the first one where you could break a backboard you know, an NBA jam. I've never actually pulled it off, but I know you can break a backboard. <laughs> so it was just, yeah, it was fans like that and dating Kelly Kapowski. It was like the two things <laughs> yes. that I just oh, wanted to great. do the most. Holy and shit. And it's, it's the ultimate kind of mic drop. You know, it's the, and it's, it's always screwed up in movies. Like anytime a comedy when they're like, let's, uh, let's have a basketball scene. It always ends really poorly with like a badly filmed, ba broken backboard, like in uh, the cable guy. You know, you yes. Jim jumps off of Jack Black's back. Uh, there's this movie called Oh with Mackay Pfeiffer. He breaks the backboard yeah. on a one hand dunk and then throws the ball <laughs> through the glass to make sure all of the glass breaks. And then he abuses like some little kid and like shocks Martin Sheen. That. 
you know it's, it's a that. really bad scene but uh <laughs> but that's what that's it's, what it is it's the ultimate mic drop it really is it's the ultimate mic drop to, and, and never uh, uh really clearly put by saying it's a device that movies will use like it's so mic dropish that movies go we got to get out of this scene what do we do let's have this dude wreck this hoop and get the hell out of here like it's it it does feel like it's just so visual. The the thing for me that I I I thought about this. I spent so much time thinking about this, and I actually called um, first ballot co sometimes co host Michael Torpy, who could not come well, join us today. I started debating this with him because I wanted him to broaden my horizons on this, and he really, really did. Michael Torpy is fantastic. Uh, he made me realize. When you dunk a basketball and the hoop breaks, Paul mentioned chaos. You dunk a basketball and the hoop breaks, it stops the game for everyone. Like, everyone's there. The game stops. The players have to go rest. The coaches are like, what the hell do we do? The, the, the staff at the arena starts scrambling. It, it creates real chaos. It's an And if you think about a dunk, a dunk isn't something – it's a fantastic play. It's super exciting. It's a blast to watch. But it happens within a normal flow of a basketball game all the time. A broken backboard is essentially the field of play cannot contain what's going on in this game right now. The, the, the setting, the arena, what we've built, this court, it's not designed for what you're doing in this moment. What you've done cannot be contained by this thing that we've erected for you to play basketball here. The basketball that you're playing cannot be contained. It explodes, and it makes me go, what is the corollary? What's the comparison to a, a, a dunk breaking a backboard? I started thinking, the first thing I said was, imagine hitting a home run and the ball explodes. But that's not right. <laughs> that's not right because the ball doesn't explode in a in a in a basketball game. It's it has to be something where it's relatively routine, but it's so to the nth degree that everything must cease. It's 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 that it's it really is that the field of play cannot contain what's going on in the game. And I just started going back and forth. The thing that Torby posited was if you're running, like if you're running so hard, you're digging, you're just hoofing it so hard that it tears up the field of play. And they go, well, you got to stop. This guy's running too hard. Or I was like, if it's if you if you're boxing and you punch a guy and he flies through the turnbuckle, those are the comparisons. The ring like implodes. Like imagine the tension of the ropes and they all like implode and fall into the ring. That's like the comparison here. That's what we're talking about. But it actually happens in NBA. It happens in basketball games. This has happened. It does happen. And no, we're not talking about it. We're not talking about how, hey, this, this court, this arena that they built, that they erected for this specific reason to play this game cannot hold the game that's being played. That's how awesome it is. I have never been more excited in my life now after that, <laughs> thinking about hitting something so hard that it explodes and implodes at the same time. And then we're going to get to talk about a bunch of these. Neil, what do I owe you? I just, I, it, you know, we kept flipping through examples. I was like, well, what about tennis? And I'm like, it, it couldn't, it's not that you hit the tennis ball and you hit it so hard that it flies through your opponent's racket. That's not what's happening. <laughs> It's as though you you spike the ball. You served it so hard that the ball embeds itself into the clay court. It's like down. It's like stuck into the ground. And the guy's like, well, was it in? And it's like, of course it's in. Look, it's in the fucking dirt. It's within the lines. Like, there's no question. You don't need to go to the cameras. It's in the fucking dirt inbounds. And you're like, well, how do we get it out? And they're like, it's not. It, you can't, I can't get this ball out of the ground. It's in there so fucking hard. And the crew has to come out and, like, saw the top half of the tennis ball off and, like, repave the court and, like, repaint it. And, like, that's how you solve the issue. That's, like, what is actually happening. That sounds absurd. That sounds like this insane thing that we're imagining. But that happens in basketball games. We're talking about four of them today. My God. Has anyone here actually broken a backboard rim? I mean, not obviously not, like, a real court, but just anything. Play, like, 
lower goal, cheap basketball goals, anything? There's the, there is the like, breakaway rim door hang hoop right and so like every i think and which was the the goal was you can't dunk on that without ripping it down if you do that you suspect and we don't trust you so the whole (laughs) goal of what you're trying to do and accomplish is to emulate this but in terms of broken glass everywhere people pissing on the street you know they just don't care no i've never personally (laughs) been able to to make that happen and affect that in a miniature or in a maxi way in my entire life so i mean this is still aspirational for me yeah and, and I, that's, you know, uh, someone said the ultimate fantasy. You're using the word aspirational. It is. There's like a thing where if you like think about this thing, I don't think there's a guy on the planet that doesn't want to rob a bank and or try to rob a bank and try to break a backboard. Like it's just like a thing that all guys and I, I'm not proud of this. I think this is part of like the toxic masculinity thing. I'm not happy about this, but I can admit that this is woven into my DNA. I want to break a backboard. I want to I want the shot. I, I can proudly brag. I actually have broken. It was on a nine Get and a half foot goal. Nobody it was like a neighborhood goal. Get and the fuck these. out of I, here, you no, liar. Seriously. No, I'll tell you the funniest thing. You goddamn it. liar, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> the rim, it didn't break off, but it bent totally down. And then this lady who actually lived in the neighborhood, because we didn't, uh, me and my friends didn't live in a neighborhood. She actually came down there and said, people keep breaking these rims. And she's like, I don't even know how people are getting, you know, jumping that high to do it. But the funny thing, it was at like nine foot. It all I could think was, well, of course I'm lying. I was like, yeah, I don't know how anybody could ever reach that rim. But I was like, why don't you put it at 10? Because then people like me who can't dunk on 10 wouldn't be over here dunking. Because that used to be a big thing is everybody would drive around looking for low basketball goals. Right. Just so we could yes. dunk on it. A little bit of vandalism. You're feels a like a honeypot situation. Perhaps there was, uh, you know, it, it was at nine to try to lure you into some kind of larger yeah, trap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's very funny. Entrapment. Uh, wait, David, you bent the rim, but did you break the, did the backboard break? No, of course not. <laughs> okay, All that's, I did that's... was I bent the goal down. That's a, that's an important distinction here. And I'm setting up right. the rules for the, for the conversation we're about to have. The rules, as we discuss the best, everyone here, everyone, every panelist that's come here today has brought their favorite backboard breaking dunk, and that is the rule. The backboard must shatter. That does remove the two iconic Shaq dunks, which will probably have their own episodes on this podcast at some point or another. But those, the Shaq in the Meadowlands and the Shaq in Phoenix – those the backboard did not break, so those I mean the glass did not shatter. Those are removed from this competition. Is that clear, everyone? Yes, sir. Okay, here we go. Each panelist will get the chance, unimpeded, to make their case using first ballot hall of fame credentials. I then, as the host, will have I have done some additional research on each of these dunks. I know what everyone is bringing to the table. I might add some additional research. We'll go through these, and at the end, we'll all weigh in on which we think is the best and which of these do we believe uh, belongs in the first bell hall of fame. Are there any questions, gentlemen? Nope. The first submission today will be made by national NBA reporter Dan Devine. Dan, the floor is yours. To make your submission and make your case for your the the best backboard breaking dunk of all time. Here we go. Thank you so much for seating the floor to me and gentlemen for allowing me to be here today to speak with you. I want to take you back to January 25th, 1988. Let's go. American movie going audiences were spellbound by Robin Williams' performance in Good Morning <laughs> Vietnam early in its run atop the box office. Need You Tonight by NXS was pumping in every club through every speaker. Ronald Reagan was about to deliver the State of the Union address and at Fitzgerald Fieldhouse in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Jerome Lane was about to make history. Big Monday, Big East, ESPN, ever heard of them? Pittsburgh versus Providence, a Big East clash early in the second half. Steal on the inbounds pass under the Providence basket. Pitts out on the fast break. Point guard Sean Miller, who'd later go on to be a head coach, running the break. He has Demetrius Gore on the left wing, and he's got Jerome Lane on the right. Choices, choices, what do I do? I feed it to Jerome Lane on the right. He takes two steps. Oh, my goodness. Providence guard Carlton Screen, all six feet of him, steps in to take the charge on the driving lane. Wrong choice, Carlton. Two steps in the air, right hand back. As soon as Jerome Lane jumps, Bill Raftery involuntarily yells, Oh! 
The right hand goes back, thighs hit chest, tomahawk, ball through the hoop, rim immediately gives way into Jerome Lane's right hand. Backboard completely shatters as Carlton Screen hits the ground. Silence. Play-by-play -play guy Mike Gorman, later of the Celtics broadcasts, seven seconds later goes, yeah! And then, <laughs> only then, send it in, Jerome! <laughs> Bill Raftery on every replay laughs. He can only laugh. The pure joy of I have just seen something Ugh. I've never seen before. Ugh. The game had to stop for 32 minutes. To your point, Neil, when this stuff happens, the world stops That's at right. the game. That's right. They have to go find a replacement rim somewhere, a replacement hoop somewhere else in the arena. It had no shot clock. They were That's not right. prepared for this. It was like something they would use for summer camp. Jerome Lane finishes with 17 points and 17 rebounds. Pitt destroys Providence 90 to 56. And later in that game, or later, an oral history of this play goes up on 2010 ESPN page two by Patrick Ruby. And Providence guard Eric Murdoch, who went on to play nine years in the NBA, said, it's the greatest dunk I've ever seen in my life. I feel for my man Paco screen. I was hanging out with him recently. Obviously, that didn't come up. He was trying to take a charge, and Jerome broke the backboard on his head. Oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you, send it in, Jerome. <laughs> Holy shit. That's that why great. we had Dan Devine on the show. That's why we did it. That's why I asked the guy to be on the show. Did you hear what he just did? Fucking A, man. This is going to be so much fun. We're How long are we? We're 20 <laughs> minutes into this. This is, this is going to never end. Buckle up. This is going to never end. Okay, I have so much to respond to. Fuck. I just, I'm like so happy. Uh, the shot clock is just a major, major part of this. The sh There's no shot clock on the, on the replacement hoop that they bring out. It affects the rest of the game. This wasn't like just a mini stop down, and it was a stop down. It affects the rest of the game. The players are looking back over their shoulder to find the shot clock. Coaches are like, oh, shit, there's no shot clock. It affects the rest of the game. It goes deeper. It affects ESPN. They go back to Stanford. Bob Lee is in the studio, and he goes, Jerome Lane just threw a giant wrench in the plans of a whole network. It affected <laughs> in the entirety of ESPN. Whatever ESPN was doing after that, I think it was the second Big Monday game, gets delayed. The commercials, when a commercial, when Chevy runs their commercial, is decided. It goes in the first quarter break because the maximum audience is there for this time. Yeah, that Atlanta stuff is all decided. It's bought and sold and paid for. And everything changes because Jerome Lane shattered a basketball. It affected companies. Do you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> it's just wild to think about. Here are some uh, analytics, people of analytics. Uh, Pitt had just lost the 11 seed Oklahoma Sooners. I heard in an interview with Jerome Lane. He talked about how mad he was about losing to the Sooners just before this. Some of that anger bleeds into this game, clearly. Pitt was up 6-5 to five with the time the dunk happened, very early in the game, which I didn't realize. Uh, four and a half minutes in the game, 15 uh, minutes, 24 seconds left on the first half clock. The delay was a 29-minute and 50-second delay. Cool. I mean, that's a long goddamn time. Like, dudes are cold. <laughs> Everything's stopping like whatever. Like, I wonder, is there is there a world, I feel like this is not a giant leap, where Providence had a legitimate shot of winning this game. They were fired up and ready to go. And then they had to stop down for 29 minutes and 50 seconds, and it changed everything. Is that not possible? It's, I mean, it, it, it puts every, I mean, the, the people on Providence in the aftermath stories that I read were like, the game was over at that point. Like there was no, like we, we were so fundamentally short circuited by that play uh, that, yeah, there, there was no coming back from it. They could have come back in 10 minutes or four hours and it wouldn't yeah. have mattered. Providence was not going to win that game. In case you're a real basketball, college basketball sicko, shout out to Nick Bernstein, official uh, college basketball fan of the first podcast, uh, first battle podcast. The Pittsburgh Panthers finished the season 24-7, and seven, eighth in the country uh, in the final eight people. They were first in the Big East but lost in the Big East tournament to Doug West Villanova Wildcats. And then were eliminated in the round of 32 in the big, the big dance. 
uh, by Will Produce Vanderbilt Commodores. Some fun names to say there. Um, <laughs> Dan mentioned the call during his uh, diatribe. Fantastic. Let's listen to it together. Picked off by Miller. Goes ahead. Lane's on the other wing. He finds oh! the You also mentioned the laugh, Dan. The laugh there, and he does. He laughs on every single replay. The, the joy landed in that moment. There's a joy that's infectious. It affects everyone in the arena. It affected all of us that were watching it at home. I was watching this game live as a kid. It's there. The joy lands, and you can hear it throughout the rest of everything. Bob Raftery or Bill Raftery says the rest of this game. Yeah, it's it is why we it's why we watch N- not specifically just for mm. you know the shattering of backboards because I mean if you were watching only for that you'd be disappointed in most games but finding the thing joy wherever it can be found can we reach it reach out and grab something to care about to make us feel a little bit happier for a second for a minute for an hour whatever in the course of these athletic contests this is when and it's what makes the unprecedented or the unfamiliar so special to us and it's why it lives in our memories and in our hearts so much it's why we commemorate these sorts of things it's why we talk about them 25 35 years later it's why they go up in plaques on walls in hallowed institutions like the first ballot hall of fame. There's so much to consider and to think about here. (laughs) And, but I think all of it comes back to joy. It comes back to that feeling of, I might see something I've never seen before. And that's going to fill me up. And you could hear it just coming out of Bill Raftery there. It it was overflowing from him. And then that that it's what makes that moment something to remember forever. Here's the here's the sound the the microphone off of the backboard. Here's the audio that ESPN played during the game. I mean, pretty goddamn good, Paul. As a, an editor, your opinion of the audio uh, of the of the glass breaking there? Yeah, I, I went back and watched uh, the game footage of this, and when they came back and played this uh, clean audio. Um, I was like, well, that, that's awesome producing for one. And then I thought Stone Cold Steve Austin was going to come down um, because that glass break <laughs> is just, uh, it is electric. And uh, it's, it's, it's just, it, it's incredible producing. And um, yeah, uh, you, you could have a lot of fun with that because it's such a clean break. It, it's, it's, it's crackling. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's Stone Cold E.T. I mean, just a perfect a perfect setup for my Stone Cold E.T. audio there. Thank you so much for that, Paul. Um, more stats. Here's a couple more stats uh, from this. Jerome Lane finished 6 of 8 from the field, 5 of 6 from the line, 17 points total, 17 boards in 35 minutes. 17 and 17 in 35 minutes and that dunk. Fucking pretty goddamn good. Uh, you mad. Dan, you mentioned Sean Miller, the point guard of Pitt turned uh, University of Arizona, I think, head coach. Uh, Sean Miller said, quote, uh, in my house, we call that the past, which I love. <laughs> but everyone else thinks of it as like descended in Jerome, Jerome Lane's dunk. And then Sean Miller refers to it as the past. That's just good fun. Um, and then the backstory. I saw a crazy backstory about this in sort of some sort of article uh the pittsburgh coach coach evans was trying to motivate pitt before this game does anybody know this story what i'm about to say i do but only because of pre-production so go yes well do you want to tell it do you do you remember the story do you remember the details uh it involved a starter's pistol is that right yeah he fired a fucking starter's pistol he's like telling these guys we gotta get out and run tonight and he fires a goddamn starter pistol in a darkened practice arena to get these guys going. That's a fucking blast. Yeah. In in the oral history that I mentioned earlier from page two, uh, pit guard Jason Matthews said that in practice a few days earlier, coach had been telling Jerome to go to the basket stronger. And Paul Evans, the coach, said the way Jerome was, that was probably one of his thoughts going in. I'll show coach I can take it hard. Uh, whether or not you needed a starter's pistol to get that kind of motivation, I don't know. But clearly saw a little bit of extra fire as he went up for the dunk. They also, I also read that Charles Smith, who was Jerome Lane's, you know, the former Nick, who I'm sure is near and dear to Dan's heart. Uh, Charles Smith also <laughs> reportedly broke a backboard in the same season against Dwayne Shinsis. 
Yeah, he dunked on you know, the the late great Dwayne Shinsius, uh when they played Florida. Uh, but he he it was I think bro, uh, but didn't shatter this way. So that became a like uh, I think and Charles Smith then later said I loosened up the rim for you. Like oh, come so on, man. Bad. All right, like <laughs> Charles Smith, how dare you? Um, there the Charles Smith another... who couldn't make a layup in the most important game <laughs> yeah. of his career. How Could you maybe go you. bend the rim against the Bulls, Charles? Could you maybe have <laughs> used some of that rim bending talent? In an important uh, po- mo- moment in my life, perhaps. Uh, le- the, let's go to the press conference next. Credential the press conference. Any great, great quotes about this? I've got a good one. He's interviewed by the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Jerome Lanus. He's interviewed by the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Uh, and here is that uh, question. I think a lot of people are wondering: Did you ever do that again? No. Backboard. A game practice. Never. 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 Did you ever try? Every time. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I will say, I want to I, I want to add, because we talked about the joy of this moment. There's also some pathos to it because, A, he tried every time and never got to do it again. Yeah. And then and let her and then let her be on this. So there's broken glass all over the place. Right. And we're talking about it's like coming out of guy's hair. It's all over the floor. They have to clean it all up. The glass from that backboard becomes like a collector's item for the fans, for the athletic department, for all the people who worked around the team. You know who never got a piece of that glass? Jerome Lane. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. I read the same thing, that, that a glass. There's a woman. Her name is Connie Sukernek. Do you know this, Dan? Uh, go for it. Connie, Su- Connie Sukernek? I don't I, I, I'm butchering her last name. I apologize. Connie Sukernek. Her husband apparently got some of the glass. Connie Sukran, this is what Connie said. Quote, he had it set in an antique 14 karat gold ring. He gave it to me right before the Big East tournament. That fucking kicks ass. If you take Jerome Lane's backboard glass and put it in a in an antique gold ring for your wife who also loves pit basketball, that kicks a fucking ton of ass. <laughs> I mean, it's putting all the rest of us to shame. It's really like we, you have to level up your gift-giving game to a frankly unex- like, impossible to reach level. But it's nice to know that love means that much to somebody out there. Yeah, oh, my God. That gift either lands like a fucking perfect 747, like perfect fucking landing, <laughs> or it's a goddamn atomic bomb. It's one or the other. Your wife either loves pit basketball and you're like, what a fucking glorious thing. Or it's like, what the fuck did you just give me? <laughs> It's fucking it's either in it's either incalculable it's worth or it's a, a piece of garbage. Fascinating move by Peter Sukarinek. Again, I apologize. Um, I had a nickel for every podcast I was on where we said fascinating move by Peter Sukarinek. I would have a shitload of nickels. The other thing um, I wanted your opinion on here, Paul, was during the stop down ESPN because they're filling time. They've got 29 minutes and 50 seconds to fill time. They rerun a Jerome Lane mixtape set to Huey Lewis's Working for a Living. (laughs) Do you have any thoughts on that mix? I can't believe I missed that. And I'm disappointed I missed that. (laughs) Oh my Um, God, it fucking goes hard. That is the sort of song pairing that uh, we could only dream of, really. And uh... <laughs> that's the truth. You guys, it honestly kind of makes me think you, you all of you guys at Dunkop and David, that you all kind of fucking suck ass, like because you never put together <laughs> something that even remotely it doesn't even hold the fucking water of this fucking Drome Lane, fucking absolute dynamo. Hey, uh, real quick, kind of off-topic story. We're just we were talking about weird like uh, song choices in mixes. So when the Detroit Pistons uh, won a game last week, I was looking up like I was like, let me try to find some clips of when they won uh, one of their championships. And on one of the VHS tapes, I don't remember if it was the first one or the second one. It ends with a montage to MC Hammer's Can't Touch This. And they actually had like every member of the Pistons like doing the course that you can't touch this. That's awesome. That's fucking rad. I love the time capsule-ish nature of these things. I like hearing Huey Lewis. I like hearing the fucking pianos and the horns he's got just blaring over fucking Drome Lane getting rebounds. I didn't remember that Drome Lane led the nation in rebounding the year prior. So, like, he was a fucking absolute workhorse. So I appreciate him having this moment. He deserves it. Does anybody know? I, I, I both... 
I'm both astounded by the research that you've all done already and also don't want you to have done the research that I've done so that I can present you with this new thing that you're learning for the first time. Does anybody know where Jerome Lane went to high school? I do not. No. No idea. St. Vincent, St. Mary in Akron, Ohio. Oh, wow. Wow. And unless LeBron James has broken a backboard, you have to say the greatest guy to ever play basketball, St. <laughs> Vincent, St. Mary, who's also broken a backboard is Jerome Lane. Uh that's that's a very interesting point because uh, there is a guy named Gus Johnson out of Akron, Ohio, who shattered three backboards yeah. in the 60s. And oh. it's crazy to think that uh, yes. we've got this uh, backboard-breaking pedigree coming out of the same. <laughs> Fuck, that goes so hard. Can you imagine driving into – oh, my God, I'm so excited. Can you imagine driving into the city of Akron and it's like, welcome to Akron. We fucking break – we fucking house backboards in Akron. Like, that's what we do. We fucking birth and raise gentlemen who go on to dis absolutely destroy backboards. That sign I would go – fucking insane it makes me think that the entire city of akron ohio might need to at some point come up for consideration for the first ballot hall of fame because it's like <laughs> yes. you, lebron born here steph born here backboard yes. breaking oh. capital of the world like what what a better place <laughs> holy shit that is throw, a blast <laughs> throw nate thurmond in his arms in there as well and it's um it's almost uh no I mean, come on. I didn't on. know that. Nate, Nate Thurman's from Akron, too. Just a picture of his arms, just a bunch of a fucking pile of broken glass. LeBron and Steph. God damn, Akron, salt of the earth. Let's go, Ohio. There used to be a lot of rumors that Nate Thurman was LeBron's dad. There's like obviously no connection, but come people have on. tried to do it just because of the age and, and you know, right. they got the good genes. Yeah, oh, that's a lot of fun to think about. Uh, last X Factor here, uh, Jeff Van Gunny and John Calipari, both assistants during this game. A lot of fun to think about. All right. That was a blast. It's, that's a lot to think about. A fine, fine submission. It's time to move on. The next panelist to go, Paul from Dunk Comp. The floor is yours. Uh, I want to transport back to Northeast Italy in 1985, uh, near the Yugoslavian border. Great thing. Um, and, and for good reason, and for good reason, um, I, I'm speaking, I'm speaking about a dormant moment, a legitimately dormant moment. And maybe David can, can challenge this a little later on, but, uh, this backboard shattering moment was, I suppose, enjoyed by a capacity crowd over capacity crowd of 5,000 Italians. Um, and then it disappeared. It was only murmured about in piazza you know old guys sitting around <laughs> uh, recounting something they'd seen um over a cappuccino on, uh, on, on, on one hot night and uh, and the moment i'm speaking of is um michael jordan's shattered backboard moment uh in august 1985 trieste in uh Calabula stadium um and I, I think the, the thing that has attracted me to this, uh, amongst other things, is the fact that it was dormant. I, I, it was legitimately unearthed. It, it was, you know, this, uh, this thing that no one knew about, and then suddenly it became ubiquitous. And, Neil, you talk about the financial implication of these moments yes. uh, with, with the Jerome Lane dunk. Um, a very similar situation here. You know, I, I don't know exactly how this happened, but the footage emerges, Nike jumps on it, and they release shoe after shoe after shoe in this shattered backboard colorway. I'm talking the shattered backboards, the reverse shattered backboards, <laughs> the shattered backboard 3.0s, the Air Jordan 1 low color variants, the Air Jordan 1 mids, the Air Jordan 31s come out in it, the Air Jordan 5s have got it. The Nike Booker Ones just came out with a shattered backboard colorway. There is no wow. clear relationship between Devin Booker and uh, <laughs> the people of Trieste. But uh, there is now. It, 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 and not only that, the shoes went to auction at Christie's. They went for a record. <laughs> they went for a record value at the time. The jersey soon followed months later. It went for some obscene amount of money. This this moment generated so much wealth for somebody, 
um, some 30 years after it actually happened. And, 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 and the moment is this. Uh, Jordan is playing in a Nike exhibition match. He's doing a tour of Italy, and he also goes to the UK later on. He's spent a couple of days mixing up with Mike D'Antoni in Milan, and now he's That's on, right. and he's now in, in Trieste. Um, I'm not sure he knows exactly where he is, but uh, he, he's playing uh, for the local team. He actually comes out uh, and warms up for the opposition, which is Juve Caserta. Um, he decides, no, I'm not going to play for them. Goes back to the locker room, changes into that famous black and orange famous. jersey. Gorgeous. Um, it is. It is now famous. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't quite famous in 1985, <laughs> but it, it it certainly is a, a, a well-known colorway today. And three minutes forty into this game, uh, he catches the outlet pass, one dribble, a routine Michael Jordan tomahawk, the one that we've seen countless times. Takes off from the dotted line, throws it down, gives it a little bit extra, and then bang! It is a snap. Just explosion, as it's been described. And one thing that makes this moment special is it exemplifies the Jordan that we would come to know. This is before mm-hmm. the full global Jordan phenomenon. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was certainly on the up. You know, he's just coming off Rookie of the Year here. But this is before the Jumpman logo is on shoes and clothes. This is before, nice. obviously, Space Jam. This is before he dunks from the foul line in front of, um, you know, so many witnesses. Uh but it is surgical. It is classic MJ. And I know MJ has been spotlighted on this podcast a number of times and there might be a bit of fatigue here, uh, but (laughs) the the way he executes this, um, the way he hits the dunk, the chaos ensues in his wake, he walks away, uh, a bit like a superhero, right? He's unscathed. He hits the deck, he walks away unscathed. His teammates come to check on him. He's like, no, I'm good, man, I'm good. and there are victims. There are there there is there is some uh, there is some serious injury sustained uh, by the people who who uh, who had the glass shower on them. Tato Lopez, yes. Tato Lopez, a Uruguayan player who just arrived to play for Juve Caserta a week earlier, he misses two to three months. You know, and uh, the coach is not wow. happy. He, he, he's got some serious. Uh, Serious uh, damage to his arm. I think the other gentleman got off a bit more lightly, but missed two weeks. Um, so it's crazy. Uh, it's um, it's early in the game. Uh, they head back to the locker room, and Jordan is told by someone, uh, either who is running the event or is uh, managing the stadium, that uh, no more of that. Thank you for the rest of the game. So in an exhibition match, Michael Jordan is instructed. Hey, you're not doing that again. No dunks, mate. <laughs> it's amazing. And uh, yeah, we, we might get that. We might get to this detail a bit later. So I, I might, I might spare you any more. But it is the Michael Jordan uh, shattered backboard moment in Trieste. A, a fan, Incredible. fantastic job, Paul. This is a, a blast. I didn't know. I knew, of course, I knew about the footage. I did a little bit more research. Let me add a little bit to this. Uh, I test, and anybody feel free to jump in here, I think words matter, an absolute storm of glass. Absolutely. Uh, just a, it rains down in this clip, including on Tato Lopez. I read that Tato had an injured tendon in his wrist, I think. Needed surgery. Do you hear what I'm saying? The gentleman needed surgery for how fucking badass Michael Jordan was in that moment. Fuck. If you talk about clean visuals, it looks like now. Granted, I'm watching on like a you know 134p uh, you know bit of footage here, but it looks like the entire frame is just cleared out. Yes. Like it is a clean yes. break. All of the glass yes. has come out. We are just left with a rectangle. <laughs> You're right. It's like when you watch somebody in a movie like break the window, the glass in a door or a car door, and then they clear out the thing so they don't get cut by it. You know what I mean? You like bash it in with the fucking heel of a gun, and then you use the gun to like rake out all the rest of the glass that might end up sticking you. This dunk, you know what's the truth? That hold on, let me posit something. (laughs) My brain's just spinning here. Let me posit something. That glass all being gone, does that not feel – you know what? The more I think about this, the crazier I'm getting. That 
is the that is the that is what happens to glass during a controlled detonation. Oh my god. It's mm. <laughs> that looks mate would anybody stand to make any money if uh, if that glass exploded in such a fashion? Well, I happen to think that Nike might who's just put out the Air Jordan 1 and he's a rookie and they're trying to get the word out in Europe. Is there any chance that that's a controlled detonation David Stramskis? I'm going to say no. Okay. <laughs> no. All right, let's just I, I can't imagine just just you're just risking uh you know you're you're risking the life of Michael Jordan like the athlete by having that's, something that's like that happen. Fair. So yeah, that I'm is gonna fair. <laughs> Got to come but, in on the other side of this. You're risking the life of a bunch of Italian guys. Michael Jordan was fine, so you know maybe Nike might have had had some pre pro going on there. Maybe that's a glass proof suit. We don't know exactly what's going on with the tactical lining of his uniform. I'm not saying I wouldn't put anything past the folks up in uh, like, the Pacific Northwest. But you know a funny thing. Uh, about, you know, kind of stuff being staged. And, and obviously I don't believe this story either, but, uh, and since we're not going to, um, this dunk doesn't qualify, but you know, when Shaq tore down the basketball goal uh, in, in New Jersey, there was actually rumors that that was staged. Like there was actually, you could find articles where people were saying, because it was the end of the year, Shaq had this amazing rookie season mm. and they're like, yeah, let's just, let's just stage it somehow, which is just kind of ludicrous, but there are real articles that, uh, that That's kind of pitch that. That's fantastic. Uh, here is a couple more things. Um, let me look. Can, can we do? Can, can we do you mad? Can we do yeah, you yeah, mad? Please, please, please. Okay, so there there is an account uh, in a book uh, called Sony and Canestri. I think it's called by Roberto Grassi, and it's an account by one of the players who was there playing for Trieste, and he says that when Jordan was advised that. Uh, he's not allowed to dunk anymore. He was apparently fuming uh, all throughout the locker room, as you can imagine. So the actual guy who committed the dunk is also the guy who was you mad. Um, furthermore, uh. <laughs> I think the opposing coach, uh, legendary coach, uh, uh, Tanjevic, um, who is a FIBA Hall of Famer, uh, he was mad because he just lost Lopez, right. um, who he just sure. acquired. Right. Um, and... He, w- he was taking the game very seriously. Apparently, he went into a 1-3-1 zone to stop Jordan in an exhibition <laughs> game. <laughs> That's so good. Holy uh, so, shit. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a bit of your madness going on uh, oh up there as God. well. As well as the hysteria. Um, but but I mean, Dave, a one three one is like yeah. a literal manifestation of you mad question mark. Like <laughs> uh, <laughs> it really is graphically. If you put holy shit, that is some fucking hardcore nerd shit you just said. I am eating it up hook line and sinker. I absolutely love it. But that is some hardcore nerd shit. But you're actually hundred percent right. A fantastic ad. And that that one three one uh, that one three one story comes from the Trieste coach at the time, uh, Pugliesi, and uh, I, I suppose the, the 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 critical the critical role that he played, as well as being the coach of Jordan that night. Uh, the next year, he goes down south to Calabria and he coaches Jellybean Joe Bryant, and he talks about wow. having his having a nuisance down the one one end of his training sessions in an eight-year-old Kobe Bryant (laughs) who wouldn't get off the court while he's trying to run his team down there. So the guy has seen a young Michael Jordan, you know, uh, execute some incredible feat. And then the next year he's seeing what would be uh, the next Jordan, I suppose, um, learn the game (laughs) uh, in Italy. I love that there's so much like corny Italian basketball stuff woven into the story. It's like, of course he had to go play with D'Antoni before this. Like, fucking of course. He's the literally the only other fucking American dude in Italy playing basketball that any of us would know. So, of course, MJ goes and plays D'Antoni and then comes and breaks this thing. And, of course, that coach then goes sees an eight-year-old Kobe Bryant. Like, of course, because it's fucking super Italian corny basketball shit. Uh, the A couple other things to add here. The you mentioned uh, Jordan being pissed off and Jordan being mad about not being able to dunk. Teammate Fabrizio Zarati said that Jordan quote Michael got really upset and kept saying what no more dunks no more dunks during the <laughs> during this and then Zarati says during the second half he would just take off put his arm into the basket and let the ball go. 
Him being not allowed to dunk and them running a 1-3-1 is so fucking funny. Shit, man. Like, I was, like, sitting here going, well, the one, the dunk that I'll lean away from inducting is the Trieste dunk. But the the, the opposing coach running a 1-3-1, that will live with me forever. That is mine. I'm taking it with me. Thank you for adding that. Here's a couple other X factors. Uh, One of MJ's teammates on the Stefanel Club, JaVale McGee's father. Anybody know that? Wow. No. Pretty good. Pretty good. I did good. not know that. <laughs> There's a story that uh Jordan because uh, Paul mentioned that Jordan suited up in in warm-ups for the other team. Well, I'm not I'm not fucking saying any Italian words that Paul was saying. Fuck that. Jordan suits <laughs> up for the other team, changes into that Stefanel orange and black, and then plays the rest of the game. The the rumor has it, I I don't know that any of this is true, but on that other team, the, the team that the jersey he took off and didn't play for was Oscar Schmidt, the Brazilian wow. superstar. And the rumor he has was. it, he MJ was. wanted to play Oscar the entire game and like run him down. Of course. It's he, incredible. Oscar Schmidt was definitely on that Caserta team. And uh, I asked this question of, uh, of, of, of an Italian by the name of uh, Francesco, who was in Trieste, and he... Um, he confirmed that for me. Um, incredible. I, th- I think Jordan was hunting. You know, he wanted to play. He wanted to play against Oscar Schmidt. <laughs> the the one last X factor before I'm going to do a little bit of devil's advocate work. The last X factor, Giovanni Marzini. I think he's an. I think he was an announcer. He's a television personality. I think he was announcing this game. I'm listening to Giovanni Marzini interviews on YouTube and I'm holding my phone up to it with Google Translate on to get information. That's what I'm doing for you all that are listening to this podcast. Journalism. Giovanni Marzini says that Jordan was late to the game. Quote, he was tired the particular day in which Jordan asked because Jordan asked to play golf. And then he was in one of the most famous restaurants in Trieste. He was in Venice in the morning in a delightful place in an open air street and then asked in the afternoon to play golf. Uh, given that the match was scheduled for 8.30 p.m., he was able to play his 18 holes after basketball. Golf was one of his passions. So Jordan is late to the game because he's in Venice eating lunch. Then he goes, plays 18 holes, and then he goes to the game. And uh, that that's just an amazing, like, of course, Michael Jordan was doing that all before this game. It's just fantastic Jordan stuff. Hey, Neil, can we talk about that reporter that you just you Yeah, just please. Mentioned? Yeah, so just back on the back on the footage being dormant, uh, I I don't know, Dave, if you saw this as the godfather of basketball internet video when you saw this footage, because my recollection is this only appeared on YouTube. The first time we saw it was when it hit YouTube, maybe fifteen years ago. And I ask this question because Neil mentions this Italian reporter who works for Tele Quattro. And I'm convinced they have the whole game. You know, you watch yes. their clips on YouTube. They have got the cleanest footage. They've yes. got angles that no one else has. That ga- the game in full exists somewhere in the Telequatro archives. And it hasn't come out, is, is my understanding. Yeah. I, you know what's funny? I was thinking this the whole time. I was going to ask everyone, when is the first time you all saw this video? Because that's when I saw it in kind of the early days of, of YouTube. And and like Dan, you mentioned, it was like the quality of it. I've never seen a high quality version of this, but I know it exists. And it's true. Yes. There's a whole game somewhere <laughs> that, that they have. Fuck. What a travesty. Like, no, has anyone actually seen this before YouTube? No. Yeah. No. The yeah. first time I would rem- remember it is maybe something like 2008, 9, 10, somewhere around there where like, you know, people would be, be sharing it on blogs. Like yeah. that was where I was like, oh, my God, I've never seen Jordan in that jersey. I've never seen. Yeah any any of this and then like that we that we don't have an an updated uh cleaned up you know re, uh remastered version of this and actually i if i'm being honest so like the part of me that wants to see every pixel of this is like god damn it but the part of me that sees this and is like there's some warmth. It's like listening to vinyl. There's warmth yeah. to this. It makes it of a time. It, it, it adds some like she- some warmth and some sheen to it. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, this is it is of that time and of that place. And you know what? You don't get to have more than this. Oh <laughs> shit! Hold on. Give me the floor for one second. I am so thoroughly enjoying what all of you are doing. 
I can't, I can't describe to you, Dan, you keep doing this shit. That's just making me a, a smile spread from ear to ear. This is the warmth and the idea that no, 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 no. I know you want more, but this is what I'm giving you. It's this. And the rest of it is mine. Like think about some swarthy Italian guy. That's like, no, no, no. That tape buddy boy is mine. That's mine. It's going to my kids. I'm taking it with me. You don't get that footage. It's mine. That makes me love this moment. Also, Paul, you mentioned this being on the border by Yugoslavia. That's the sort of specificity <laughs> that is making this whole experience so enjoyable so far. I just want to thank all of you for doing what you're doing. I'm having a blast. Um, quick comment about what Dan you, you were saying. There's this appeal to not having much of something. And it's kind of like almost like a statement about today's society that we have so much footage, we have so much evidence proof of everything. And it's sometimes like just having a photo or the short clip yes. or honestly just stories. Like I, I've always said, like, well, probably never really have legendary stories anymore because in the past it's like somebody would see one thing and then it's like, it turns into that game where when people repeat stories, things gets changed and, and it gets exaggerated and it creates this really amazing visual uh, uh, of this moment. But then if you actually saw the proof of it, you're like, "Eh, it's not that spectacular. And that happens with sometimes we might see another angle of that dunk and well, and it just might not be as, as good. I mean, there's been, I've seen some NBA plays where, like if there was just one angle we always got and then the NBA will end up releasing this other angle and you're like, oh, Jordan really didn't jump that high mm-hmm. uh, on that play. <laughs> it kind of you you risk the chance of like losing some of the, yes. you know, y- your excitement over stuff, the more kind of evidence you get. So in a way, having the shitty quality one angle of that dunk might be the best thing. It, 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 I That is your... Uh, by far and away your most important contribution to this entire podcast, because I have referenced that 10 other times in 10 other episodes, the legend that everyone's got a camera, that there's a 50 million different angles and some of them are less impressive. I don't want it. I like it curated. I like the story given to me by professionals. It creates a legend. That's mine. It's my story. It's my memory. It's my moment. And it's lost a, a bit more nowadays I love that. It's, you know, you mentioned like moments and seeing different angles. I think about that Kobe, uh, Matt Barnes angle when whoever posted that clip, that overhead shot, I'm like, get that shit out of here, man. (laughs) What are you, what are you fucking doing, man? Get that out of here. I don't, you're trying to take this moment down. This moment should live forever. You're trying to get the fuck out of here. Whoever posted that mother effer, you fucking nuts crazy motherfucker okay here we go i'm so whipped up i just keep swearing i apologize <laughs> no, but it's, it's actually just such an interesting topic the whole idea it of really debunking is. myth by having more uh stuff let me for a moment play devil's advocate next credential devil's advocate the, the trieste dunk and the shatter storm of glass it happens on the recoil of the rim points deducted it does not happen when jordan stuffs the ball it happens as he lets go and the rim snaps back and then the glass blows. Listen, you've, you've tried to say that my control detonation theory is bullshit. <laughs> I'm not certain yet. I'm not certain that's the case. But I will say that it not a drone lane boosts that thing. Glass goes. Yeah. Jordan lets the hoop go and then it shatters. A small deduction there. Maybe that matters here at the finish line. Is anybody with me? I... I- I well in self-interest, yes. I think to deduct multiple points. Um let's 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 get Jerome up there. Um but there's also an aspect of like it's almost like the basket couldn't believe Michael Jordan was doing that to it. Like, like, like it could good. see the future and it's like, I'm going to be the thing that he does this to. Right. Like I've been touched by the hand of God here. And then it takes a second. He so needs a there's, moment. There's, there's, there's a way of viewing it that way, but I agree. Jerome lanes, much more sudden, <laughs> immediately explosive. Let's, let's not forget that. <laughs> a fair all fair points fantastic let's move on by the way i know what this is now rob this is a two-part episode that's exactly right a two-part episode a lot like the idea that a shattered backboard is emblematic of the fact that the court erected to play this sport cannot contain the awesomeness of the sport that's going on we are shattering the single episode podcast format of this show. 
we the, 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 the grandiosity of the conversation we're having cannot be contained within your typical one episode podcast format. Do you know what I'm saying? You gotta come back next week for part two of the Shattered Backboard debate. Here's a little tease of what's to come. So for him to break it like on television on his first try, he said, I think this is the basketball God's way of letting earthlings know about the power that I'm coming with. Fuck, man. An amazing quote. You cannot show this clip to any mother and not have them gasp deeply. (laughs) It's a deep, deep, real gasp. Well, you know, what fresh hell strides toward us? This is incredible. (laughs) It's, It's perfect. I want the gentleman with us today to tell us which of these dunks belongs in the first ballot hall of fame. I believe if one of these four, if only one of these four is going to go into the, into the rafters, I think it should be. We need your help. Let us know what you think is the greatest shattered backboard dunk. You're going to decide that online. We're going to put out a poll. It's going to be a big deal. Tell us what you think about the importance of Shattered Backboard Dunks. Do you have a Shattered Backboard story? Let us know. I'm going to be reading the best comments, playing the best voice notes next week, top of the episode. Come back. Credits. Robbie Bobby Arucci, Jessica Sang, EJ Kapasal. That's the team. Three Asian people, one one guy. Rhythm J makes all the beats for the show. Follow him on social at Rhythm J. And please come back next week for more First Ballot. Hey man, this is going to be so much fun.